This episode is part of our series discussing the debate topics released for Debatable Open 2021. The motions can be found in the description along with timestamps for your convenience. Please enjoy! Welcome to another episode of Debatable with your hosts Nina and Kyle. Our guest for today is Bola Pascual from the University of Santo Tomas. And like us, he's committed to making debate education more accessible. He hosts a lot of educational content on various social media platforms and has a lot of opinions about our educational system, how we can make them better, how learning happens. And he was also grand finalist for many tournaments this year, including the Asia Online Debating Championships, the Asia Debate Challenge, and the Beagle Debate Fest. So thanks for being here, Bolo, and for providing our topics for the education set. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I'm pumped um, and super excited to just like have an awesome conversation with everybody here. All right. So before we jump into discussing the motions, which can be found in the description with timestamps, we would want to start by knowing your thoughts on what you think is unique about education as a theme and what skills do you think debaters need the most for debating motions under this theme? Well, the thing that is most unique about education uh, as a theme in debate is that it's the most relevant uh, for all debaters, for all students and novices. So regardless of where you, what school you've came from, if you're in a debate tournament, it's, it's also like an educational experience. So everybody has a personal experience where they could say something that really affects them. And everybody's opinions and points of view really matter on it because they participate on, uh, with it. Uh, they are affected with, with education. And I think that is the most unique thing about education as a motion, like compared to like international relations, you know, some of us wouldn't get to like be diplomats or like become like heads of states or like economics. Like, yeah, we are all affected by it, but not to the degree of like when we talk about macroeconomics and trading stocks and all that stuff. But when we come, when it comes to education, uh, everybody is a student, everybody gets to become educated. And we assume like everybody in a debate tournament is enrolled in school. But even if you're not, like it's still an educational experience and everybody has a valid thing to share um, in terms of their experience of learning. So that's my uh, point of view about what's unique about education. Okay, I think the number one skill that students need to have to debate under this uh, theme is understanding what it's like to be in the shoes of other students, that their experience in school may not be the only experience that is available to them, but there are like a plethora of different types of ways people learn and experience like the educational system. So I think people understanding different types of students, different types of approaches and learning, different types of schools, different types of values uh, would be helpful um, into gauging what arguments they could launch that would make it highly relatable to people who are judging uh, because every like judge pool will always come from unique backgrounds of, of learning. So I think that's one skill to understand that like not everybody studies in a traditional school. Um, some students like study in a school where uh, it's Montessori, where they learn at their own pace. They're not pressured to learn a certain lesson at a certain age um, and all those things. So I think that is a useful skill uh, to learn. And also like, I think people who have friends from different backgrounds will have an advantage in, in debating education motions because of that reason. 
All right, thank you. We can move on to the motions for the motion set. The first one is that schools should actively encourage children to question authority. What inspired this motion when, when you made it? Like, were there any specific contexts that made this like part of the, the set that you were imagining? Like, how important is it? Yeah, so when we create motion sets, um, a lot of times we recycle motions because we think it's highly relevant. So this motion set is something that I've observed has been recurring in the WSDC format. And I think it's highly relevant uh, with the recent issues that the Philippine education system is dealing with. So when we when it comes to what happened this year, there was a surfacing of harassment complaints of students from Catholic institutions where teachers aren't being held to account. Also, the other inspiration is uh, there's a lot of there's a presence of national democratic mass organizations uh, in the Philippines and its rise and its presence in social media. And I just find it really interesting that the youth are like leading the, the cause for holding the government accountable, um, where they get to touch, move and inspire adults like me to be socially aware about what's happening and what's best for students in general. And that's the inspiration of the uh, of this motion. Um, I liked it when I was observing it in WSDC, and I think that novices in the Philippines uh, would really benefit from having a healthy discussion where they can just really express their thoughts about it because they are affected by these issues in whatever school uh, they study. Yeah, so I've also encountered this motion in the past, but I've never got to see it uh, debated. So what do you think are some of the arguments you're going to expect from government as well as opposition side? Uh, well, b- before that, like I'd like to share like three contexts that I, I had in mind, uh, if that's cool. So number one, I think the first context that I think people ought to discuss, regardless if you're like an opposition or, or government, is the purpose of schools. Um, the purpose of schools, whether it's private or public, uh, there's also some nuance when it comes to public schools, uh, making sure that we create like good citizens for the state. And essentially uh, talking about preparing students for real life and how you should participate in society. The second context I see in this motion is about authority because it is good that in general, that we cooperate with authority because if we don't cooperate with authority, like we don't have a system, we don't have a society and all of those things, right? But secondly, it's also good to hold authorities accountable. Uh, And the question then becomes, like, where do we find the balance of cooperating with authority and holding them accountable? And there's always going to be a trade-off in terms of who's going to get followed and to what method or approach are we going to relate with authorities. And lastly, the context of children. Because when we talk about children, it's it's still a spectrum. So it's different when we talk about children who are adolescents children who are in like teenagers who are 15 to 18 and children who are like five years old, seven years old, up to 10 years old, right? So I think these three contexts uh, ought to be discussed and also characterized by different debaters. Um, and when we go on to arguments, um, I'm not saying that these are like the good arguments. I'm not even saying that these are like the things that people ought to prioritize, but here are a couple of ideas that um, can be uh, uh, expressed in the debate. So when we talk about like government, uh, we want to talk about like authority figures that we have to question. So for example, the main like overarching theme is like adults, like in general, like adults will be always, will always be responsible for for children, regardless if they're strangers 
or like you just met them or like they're a new teacher and all that stuff. But the question then becomes is, should we trust all of them all of the time? So when we talk about strangers, if they ask you to not do this or to do that, like, is it something that is within the best interest of that particular child to follow me to go somewhere because I think you're lost is still a question that a child needs to understand and also like analyze uh, for himself or herself. Um, but when we, but that, that, but it's not only about strangers. We can also extend it to government leaders. So when we talk about government leaders, uh, they are people that we look up to and we trust. Like we tell the students and younger people, president someday because the president has a lot of power and we need to support the president. But sometimes they are racist. Sometimes they are misogynist. And even if like children won't get to participate in the democratic process yet by voting, it's still relevant for them to think for themselves whether or not they would like to mimic the behaviors of these presidents uh, at the end. So that might reflect on how they play with students, uh, play with their classmates, play with their friends, um, how they have friends um, and how they treat women or how they treat people of color and all of those things. So I think those are the contexts, uh, those are the ideas that could be launched coming from uh, government side. And we have to question these authority figures because even if they are in control, it doesn't mean that they are right. And, and, and tying it back to the purpose of schools, if the purpose of schools is to prepare students for real life and real life, you got to hold your governments accountable. You got to hold your leaders accountable. Um, you got to pressure them to change for the better. So when we talk about opposition, I think it's really important to, for opposition to flag down, what should children learn first? Because I think education also needs to have a level of priority. So I think when it comes to opposition, there has to be a discussion about of the benefits or necessity of following rules, because without rules, laws, or a structure, like nothing necessarily works where everybody could participate as a, as a citizen or as a human being who is productive in society, right? So these are the things that children don't understand now, but it's necessary for children to follow. So what Op could say is that we'd rather have them follow these rules first before they get to understand how to question authorities. And maybe the better time to do that is when you're an adult, because the best way you can understand what to question is that if you have an experience of it first to know what is valid and invalid. So it's really a discussion about like in most instances where authorities have your best interest, even if you don't understand it, it's generally good. And we'd rather have um, children be that way and maybe have adults lead the front of questioning these authorities. Yeah. So thanks for that. Um, I, I'm actually very interested in the, the point you made about authorities and how sometimes we have to trust parents. So I, I found it interesting because it relates very well to your second motion, where instead of thinking about what the children's relationship to the parents are, you're looking now at the parents' relationship to educational systems. So the second motion reads, and it has an info slide, 
Traditional education is defined as teacher-centric delivery of instruction to classes of students who are the receivers of information. Traditional schools generally stress basic educational practices and expect mastery of academic learning in the core subjects of math, reading, writing, science, and so social studies. This house regrets parents' trust in the traditional education system. So this is about the parents and their relationship with the education system. So for this motion, what inspired it? Yeah, so I, the main inspiration that I had uh, for this motion is the thought leaders on social media, um, where because of the content that they produce, it's so inspiring that a lot of many edgy students believe that they are correct and uh, they are good. So examples like Elon Musk, uh, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, these are media geniuses that like everybody, like most of, you know, a lot of students who are uh, well-versed in social media know about and they keep on talking about, but also there's a question of, are the alternatives that Elon Musk, Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk, um, are these alternatives viable to like low to middle income parents? Or is it like a privileged point of view where uh, their kids can go to, uh, good colleges and build their own startups and go with the hustle culture and like be like Mark Zuckerberg and pursue those isolated cases. So that's the main inspiration because I think that we got to talk about it um, and have students develop a sense of their stance because thought leaders in social media, although they can be provocative um, and really uh, inspiring, it doesn't mean that they're always correct. And sometimes we get blinded by the view of other people's experiences and what they're dealing with. Because maybe what we need to empower is more people getting access to the traditional education system. This could be the most viable option for the rest of society. So that's the that's the the the, the inspiration of it. Like seeing these um, popular individuals sharing their thoughts about the education system right now. What jumps out to me from this motion is the idea that this is a traditional educational system. And I remember the idea that most educational institutions were based off of the, the context of the, the Industrial Revolution, where you, you have uh, large portions of the population that you need to rapidly train for life in the factory. Another thing that stands out to me is the idea of students as receivers, which reminds me of the the idea of the tabula rasa where like the student is a blank slate that teachers mm. need to fill up. But aside from this, what other contexts or insights can you um, give or that you think that debaters should know in order to debate this motion well or better or at, a, at an above average level in your opinion? Yeah, I think there are three contexts that uh, students, uh, debaters could, could look at. So I think number one is the parents' trust or faith in the system. And this could reflect in many ways. Uh, so for example, parents telling their, their children, do well in school and follow the system, you'll be fine. Uh, or for example, just go to school and participate, but like not giving um, acknowledgement to the fact that a lot of students are miserable in school. But that's the question of, is it necessary? And is it also good to feel that misery in school? Because in real life, like you may also feel miserable and you got to learn how to navigate that within an early age. Um, 
And also, for example, like valuing grades, where a lot of us experience that if your grades aren't above 85 or if it's not satisfactory, then I'm not going to give you money for your registration fees on your favorite debate tournament. <laughs> um, or you can't go to basketball or you can't um, hang out with your friends or perform at this theater group that you have in school because your grades aren't at par or it's not um, meeting the expectations of the of the parents. The second the second context that I see is the traditional education system where uh, there's a teacher-centered delivery of instruction and asking ourselves, how is it useful and how is it not? So for example, in the industrial revolution context where children go like in the morning and then they have lunch at 12 and then they go back home and then they develop these habits of attending classes and having things uh, be done that are mandatory. So I think people getting to, sorry, debaters getting to research on how the traditional education system was built and how it has benefited countries and how it has impacted students and the populace uh, would be really useful for debaters to discuss. But lastly, I think it's a question, I think the context of how important is academic learning? Because in school, when we talk about math or arithmetic, we focus on what is the square root of this and that? What is like the theorem? What is the Pythagorean theorem? What is the equation and all of these things? And as much as we think that it is important because knowing these things make us go to good colleges, uh, make us be hireable in the future, what is more important? Knowing your algebra and perfecting your exam or knowing how to have multiple sources of income. Um, and the reason why schools can never, for my, in my opinion, can't teach teaching students multiple sources of income is because the teachers, for the most part, like 90% of teachers only have like one source of income, which is teaching. So, and I don't mm -hmm. think that they are even credible in telling students that these are the ways to have multiple sources of income. But given the context that we have like job insecurity uh, and we will have recessions, two or three more recessions in our lifetime, um, I think these are super important things that the traditional education system um, won't bother to teach or like wouldn't have the expertise to teach at this point in time because we can't teach every child to be like entrepreneurial um, at the end of the day uh, because teachers will still have like one source of income and we can't expect these teachers to have like multiple sources of income if we need them to dedicate like 100% of their time to these students and like their responsibilities for their personal lives. So those are the three contexts that I see that could be useful for debaters to discuss in this motion. All right, thank you. So based on like what you've already mentioned, I could see like a lot of issues already um, happening in the round. So there's an issue of urgency about what the priorities of students are now in terms of earning income, especially in this economy. I also saw an issue on how credible thought leaders can be. So you've already mentioned a few arguments for government and opposition on those issues. But besides those, what other arguments can you expect from each side or what ideas do you think would make the debate um, move forward and better? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, let's start with op. I, I want to discuss op first. Okay. So when it comes to opposition, I think identifying the house could also be useful because the house may not only be about students or about the communities, but it can also be seen in the state level. And we can say that the trust of parents towards the traditional education system is good because although it's not perfect, at scale, this is something that can be accessed by the citizenry. A teacher-centric learning is actually good because that way you can educate students like in a ratio of one teacher to 40 students or one teacher to 50 students. And when the state doesn't have like enough funds, I think this is like the most viable option and the tried and tested way where communities and cities will be educated. And the reason why the parents trust is so important is because we need to have students be in school and be educated, even if it's not perfect, at least more people get to participate inside it and get to learn. Uh, that just means more students can, can access it. And because more students can access it, then these students get to learn how to socialize, get to learn how to experience a microcosm of the state. But the second thing that I think that opposition can say about this is that, yes, traditional education was predicated on the industrial revolution and how like we can teach people at scale and replace workers when workers get old. Um, nevertheless, traditional education is constantly improving, improving with new methods, with new technology, with giving importance to extracurricular activities and giving importance to what makes students feel like a human being and makes them feel self-actualized at the end. So I think that's one perspective that, that OP can argue uh, in this debate. When we take a look at the government side, I think there are a lot of arguments and ideas that can be launched and it's up to the debater to decide which is of priority and what is the debate calling for um, and what is the clash point that they feel like is more important. So one idea that I have here is describing what are the experiences of students? Like there are a lot of people that felt miserable in school because there are a lot of outdated priorities of teaching methods in the traditional education. So for example, like even in law school, uh, we and Kyle, me and Kyle, I'm sure we experienced this, that there's a lot of priority on memorization more than critical thinking. Um, yeah, lol. No, exactly. So like, what is it like for you, Kyle? Like when, we, when, when, when you look at the priority of, of like law school in general in terms of memorization. Well, it actually depends on the, the class and the professor, but some professors really do put a, like a high premium on how well you can... Um, I, I just want to say re- regurgitate yeah. the, the provisions. Like they, they make it a big deal whether you use like the proper article or whatnot. And that, that always really confused me. Like to be fair, there are some instances where it's useful, but other times it's just not. Yeah, exactly. And for example, a lot of law students experience that uh, they get a high grade when they get to say the facts of the case and what is the issue and what is the ruling. Um, and it's necessary, it's just regurgitating 
these things. And then you get a high grade because of that. But seldom do we get asked, what was the incentive structure that led to this ruling? Or what could be the factors in play that we don't see in this case that may have influenced this ruling? Um, and we think, and I think, and I really think that's super outdated because in real life, incentive structures will definitely play a part in how you do your craft, whether you like it or not. Um, and that's reality. And a lot of times it's not like the way the education system works is not reflective of like what you need to deal with in, in reality. Because at the end of the day, um, anyone can regurgitate the facts, the issues, and the ruling, but only a few people can analyze like what is the best method to go about this based on the factors that are already at play, um, seeing in, in terms of seeing what's happening in real life. So that's why, and that's what leads to a lot of people being miserable is because they don't see it as relevant for their lives. Like I don't, like a lot of students will feel like I don't give a shit if I don't understand or I don't know the dates of when like Magellan landed the Philippines, but I'm getting graded because of that, uh, because it's just like way easier for teachers to like check and create an enumeration of things that they have memorized compared to like reading a bunch of essays on what is like post-colonialist structures right now and what's best for uh, Filipino citizens to, uh, to, to relate to like foreign institutions at the end, because that will take so much longer for students to check and a lot of it is subjective. So those things are at play in terms of um, why am I here in school when I might not be able to even use this in the future. Uh, the second thing is that students and parents reinforce the belief that grades indicate how well they are. So I think this relates to the context of the trust of parents. Because if you have like a failing mark, then that means that the student needs to change. They have to change their behavior. They have to change their personality. They have to fix their weaknesses. When these types of behaviors, personalities, um, and weaknesses can be the aspects that make the student great. Um, and I just see it like personally from my perspective, I see that as, as regrettable that maybe we have denied the postmodern Picasso to express themselves because this, the teachers are saying you have to sit down and you need to concentrate, but maybe that's not conducive to the next genius who will like solve the world problems we have today, but we're trying to recreate them as a robot, like as another uh, product of a, of a factory and the factory is the educational system, which leads me to the idea of like untapped potential because school is the center of a student's life and the priority of schools right now are grades. Maybe we don't get to create the next big, big, uh, next big thing in pop culture. And when we take a look at pop culture, um, like in South Korea, uh, BTS is contributing to like, a, can I curse here? I don't know, they just cut it out. Like a ton of like the progress in GDP in South Korea. And the fact that we don't get to tap many students' potential and talents because we think that it's not practical and the traditional education system believes that it's not important and it's just something that needs to be extra 
may be doing something more harm than good in our economy um, because you know like k-pop uh, being dominating the world is like something that is fairly new um, in the world but that's something that I think parents and governments need to explore because pop culture is accessible more than ever um, and lastly when we talk about SATs I think it's really important for us to identify what do they really measure? Do they really measure intelligence or capabilities? Or do they measure privilege uh, at the end? And what happens to many students is that they believe that they aren't good when in fact they just don't perform in these IQ tests or SATs because they have a lack of opportunity, lack of opportunities to practice these types of skill sets for standardized testing. And at the end of the day, the viewpoint that I'm trying to portray in, in government side is that maybe we're doing it all wrong. And there are things that we need to challenge in order for us to maximize the learning and education of our students. So there. Yeah. So it was interesting that your last point was about the SATs, which you know is all about trying to measure a high school graduate's ability to enter the college. And that's exactly what the last motion is about, which is whether or not a fresh high school graduate in the U.S. should even apply for student loans in order to get into college. So what inspired this motion? And like we, we, all, we already know that it's about the student loan crisis in the United States. But why is it relevant to talk about it in this form? What was the inspiration for this side of the issue. I just want to say that Nina and Kyle right now are doing an awesome job in transitioning. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> That's you. so awesome. Like that was such a smooth transition that I have to like break the transition to just like oh, acknowledge thanks. that. Thank you. you worked hard on it. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's like oh, oh like damn all right. So what inspired me uh about this motion is actually having a conversation with my niece. Uh, who is thinking about going to grad school um, and taking up uh, business administration. Because when we were talking about it and assessing the finances, it would cost around 500,000 pesos wow. to 2 million pesos to finish that like two-year wow. degree. And the question that we were entertaining was, if we use 500,000 pesos to actually build your own business or administer a business, um, would you get more value out of it and like use that capital as your, you know, like use that capital as tuition for real life? Or would you use that like money for tuition in an institution that would give you a piece of paper that says that you are a master of business <laughs> or whatever? And it just got me thinking that this is something that students who after graduating from high school don't really talk about in an extensive manner or it's not really something that is a priority in terms of uh, discussing it with your friends and peers. I think like even in the Philippines, it's about what school are you going to go to compared to what is the better use of your money and is it a strategic decision if you are already set on knowing what you want to do with your life. Um, and I think that 
when it comes to fresh high school graduates um, in the United States. Number one, there's just a lot of matter available online. And so I think it's something that relates to people all around the world, but something that we can read about uh, that is extensive in research and articles in in videos uh, talking about it and having and people having debates about it in different perspectives. So I think like the U.S. is a great case study for for debaters to have uh, matter about uh, matter about it. And I think the the benefit outside of the of of debating is that you get to understand for yourself. Like, is there an alternative to college where I could still be successful and have my parents be proud of me? Is there an alternative to grad school uh, in a way that it would be advantageous to me financially and still get the benefits of getting recognized as a good business leader at the end? So that's the main inspiration of, of this motion because I don't think that education, uh, the traditional education or like education in general makes us talk about finances as, as young adults and as young people. And I think it's, ironic because it's one of the most important things that we have to consider. And I just think like novices, high school students talking about finances, talking about these hypothetical situations will leave them uh, smarter in their decision-making in the future, especially when things change. So that's the inspiration. So I really like this motion because it's not very intuitive, especially for Filipinos to debate. Like, we don't have a lot of student loans, and it's not really a big crisis for us. But I see this as also being one of the reasons it might be intimidating for some debaters, especially novices, to choose as a motion. So what do you think are some of the contexts that um, debaters would need to know in order to debate this motion well and debate this motion properly? Yeah, so I think there's uh, two contexts. Uh, One of them you already talked about or not talked about, uh, flagged. Uh, So that is the student debt crisis that's ongoing with the US. Uh, Students aren't able to pay off their loans and students go on default. And what happens there is that if you don't pay your loans, um, when you do get to have a job, the government, uh, the US government can actually take more from your salary um, beyond your taxes. So I think that's one thing that uh, people need to know that Students uh, in the United States of America face as a trade-off in terms of do they go to uh, university, apply for a loan, but then they have another hurdle of will they actually get a job? And for a lot of cases, they don't. And for many cases, when they do get a job, like they earn thirty thousand per year to eighty thousand per year, and the debt of students from the United States can vary from 30,000 to 50,000 to 200,000. But if you imagine that you are earning like 80,000 per year, like that can still be considered as a good investment because uh, wait for five years that you're good. And then you can start saving up and then you can start um, investing in in all these things, but it's always going to be a case to case basis. But I think the second um, context is the idea of a paywall to be in the middle class or putting yourself at risk so that you have a shot of becoming a financially independent and free individual that gets to be in the middle class. And I think student, it would be useful for students to read about those things, even if it's not part of a, a debate tournament, because eventually like there are certain 
certain aspects of the struggles that's happening with the uh, students in the United States of America that can also be related to all of young people around the world. Um, but to make it interesting, to make it interesting, if you were a fresh high school graduate in the U.S., um, I'm just wondering, like, would you apply for a for a student loan to get into like a top 50 university in the U.S.? Personally, for me, I wouldn't. I would try to start my own business as early as possible or try to earn from doing what I like, like maybe teaching or coaching. I'd make that, oh, I'd find a way to make that lucrative for myself. But that's just me. I don't know about Kyle. Well, I'm going from the point of view of, like, statistically speaking, like, from an econ perspective, the statistics still still say that college is worth it. Mm. But more than that, I, I also think about what course am I even going to go into? Because if the expected utility or the, the expected earnings that I'm going to get from my fresh college degree would be something that would be enough to offset um, the, the debt that I would incur. And also like just a general notion of is this the only way for me to um, be able to do this? So for example, you don't really need that piece of paper in order to have a business, but you might need that piece of paper in order to become an engineer or to become a lawyer, for example. So I would like to juggle all those different kinds of things or considerations first. How about you, Bolo? That is, yeah, that is awesome. Um, Personally, oh, this is really hard because like I wouldn't have the opportunities I have today like if I didn't go to college mm. and I would assume that like college offers like a lot of opportunities and you know, the colleges in like universities in the U S are just like way better than here in the Philippines. I mean, with certain exceptions, but for the most part. So like, I think I would apply for a student loan, uh, but which leads me to the argument coming from gov that like we are already in an information age. So if you don't plan on becoming a lawyer or a doctor or a tax accountant or a nurse, um, you really, like, there's a lot of room to argue that you really don't need to go to college to access the information that college would give you. Because at the end of the day, when we are in Zoom calls or lectures, those things can be recreated at scale. And there are a lot of, like, amazing individuals and people who are the best at their craft when it comes to real estate and all of those things that maybe even be better than the professors that universities would hire. So in government side, like one perspective that, that could be launched is that a lot of information, a ton of information um, is available and these teachers may not be able to um, provide extra value than what is already available um, on the internet or even in just books. So we can just say that like it may not be necessary for the majority of people who may not want to become a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, an accountant, and all those things. Um, but when it comes to opposition, I think two things that I could say is that, well, number one, there are a lot of politicians that are looking for forgiving debt. So, even, so, so when we talk about the Democratic Party, 
there's the progressives and even this the 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 center left are are talking about how do we lessen the the debt of students because like right now it's like 1.6 trillion and is this a viable alternative and there's a lot of um clamor for for that to happen uh because a lot of students are are in debt so like political clamor like there's like a optimistic viewpoint that this can be solved by the government but secondly we can also say that we can offset it like once we get a degree so if i take it as a perspective of a fresh high school student and i get to discuss that yeah there are universities who have a good track record of making sure that their students get employed and have it as a worthy investment then that is totally a viable option so i think that's a characterization or framing that opposition can talk about that there are universities uh like that and i think what's special about the motion is that we're not talking about like all uh fresh high school students the the house is a fresh high school graduate so i think there's a lot of room for opposition to frame that there are ways to have strategic decisions and if i was a and if i were a fresh high school graduate this is the strategic decision that i'm going to take um and then government will have to contend to the fact that yeah it is a strategic decision now they have to weigh the comparative in terms of the exclusivity of the values that they have so and lastly i can just talk about that this is reliable this is a degree this is credibility um and even if there's a high barrier of access to pay the people that you meet the activities that you have um the professors that 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 teach you still give you an opportunity to to perform well in life and it's not chump change like us education is highly valued all around the world and you know even if there's a uh employment crisis in the united states of america in the rest of the world you still have a competitive advantage by even just having a diploma that is coming from the us and those are the things that i could uh, see uh debaters could be debating uh could be launching in the in the debate of this motion <laughs> yeah thank you so much bolo so we've discussed all of the three motions um rather in depth so hopefully a lot of people got some takeaways from them regardless of if they listened to the whole episode or just skipped to the motion that they did but before ending this episode we have one last question for you which is um we'd like to know what advice you'd give novices who are just starting their own debate stories especially since this is an educational journey we feel like you probably have something to say about that yeah just one piece of advice is treat yourself as a tourist and treat debate as a journey and when i say as a tourist every round will be a new playing field um and you want to collect souvenirs and those souvenirs are lessons so even if you don't win and you disagree with her, with a judge there's always a lesson to learn and one of my favorite mma fighters holly homes would also say that i'd like to win and learn so if you treat yourself as a tourist and in every round you treat it as a new place that you visit make sure to collect souvenirs and those are lessons and not only lessons those are memories that make your relationships with other people like your teammates and your opponents and your judges 
meaningful and beautiful. And in the future, they can be good connections that will help you kick ass in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think debaters and judges are awesome connections because you have a framework of thinking that is unique to, to the rest of the world. And yeah, so treat yourself as a tourist and collect memories and souvenirs. I love that. That was very, I have this that was very inspirational. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. So thanks so much again, Bolo, for agreeing to be one of our motion contributors. Um, this is the first time we've ever done this. So we're very happy to have you on board. If you have anything you'd like to plug to the listeners as well as the participants, you're free to do so. Okay. Uh, you can uh, watch me on TikTok at Bolo's World. Um, Instagram at Bolo Pascual Official, uh, Facebook page Bolo Pascual. Uh, there's a debate group I made for random debate lessons called Silid Aralan ng Talakayan Initiative Facebook group. Ooh. And I am the founder and CEO of Outspoken Philippines Empower Students Inspire Growth, where we offer debate co- uh, debate coaching uh, with your schools, debate camps and even private coaching. So those are the uh, platforms where you can access me and yeah, or ask Nina and Kyle where I am. They probably know where I'm drinking at and stuff. Yeah, so we'll link those things in the description as well for everyone's reference. So once again, thank you so much for being on our episode. Um, So that's it for this one. We'll see you in the next motion analysis or in the next episode. So bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.